A key component of the modern world economy, the chemical industry delivers products and innovations to enhance everyday life. It is also an industry in transformation, where chemical executives and workers are delivering growth and industry-changing advancements while responding to pressures from investors, regulators, and public opinion. Discover how leading companies are approaching these challenges here on The Chemical Show. Join Victoria Meyer, president of Progressio Global and host of The Chemical Show, as she speaks with executives across the industry and learns how they are leading their companies to grow, transform, and push industry boundaries on all frontiers. Here's your host, Victoria Meyer. Hi, I'm Victoria Meyer. Welcome to The Chemical Show. This is the 25th episode of the podcast. That number amazes me and it probably amazes you. In honor of the 25th episode, we're going to be doing a drawing for some cool The Chemical Show swag. And there are three ways to enter. So one, rate and leave a review on your podcast player, which could be Apple, Stitcher, or Podchaser. The second way to enter this drawing is to post a message about the podcast on Twitter and use the hashtag The Chemical Show. And then the third way is to share the podcast on LinkedIn and tag us in your share. One of those three ways will get you entered into a drawing. In fact, do it all three ways and get more chances to win. And you'll be getting some cool chemical show swag. So anyway, this week, I am talking with Chris Mudd, who is Managing Director at Chiron Financial, an investment bank. The M&A market in chemicals has really heated up over the past year. And we're going to get some insights on that and investment banking from Chris. Chris actually has a pretty unique path into investment banking. So prior to joining Chiron, Chris spent 30 years in senior roles in the chemical industry, including at Dow, Dexco Polymers, which is a Dow and Exxon joint venture, and as CEO of a private equity portfolio company. So Chris brings that really unique and deep chemical industry experience into his role at Chiron. And we're going to hear a little bit about that today. So welcome to The Chemical Show, Chris. Thanks, Victoria. Awesome. I'm happy to be here. Great. And I'm delighted to have you here today. So tell us a little bit about Chiron. Yeah, Chiron is a middle market investment bank, a little bit unique. We serve the middle market, which is defined as sort of companies that are in the $20 million to $300 million revenue range. We provide a full suite of services. We are headquartered in Houston, but we've got offices around the U.S. We've got offices in Europe and Latin America. And Chiron's been around for 20 years. They have uh, done hundreds of transactions. I think it's an investment bank that is able to provide a full suite of services, but focusing on some of the smaller clients uh, that are really interesting to serve. And this is really, as you mentioned, I've been with a number of these companies that are sort of in that middle market range. So that's kind of my sweet spot as well. Awesome. That's really cool. So so tell us a bit more about what does Chiron really do? So I think this is a iBanking is a bit of a mystery to many people. But what you know what role does Chiron and other firms such as Chiron play in the industry? You know, I just joined Chiron at the beginning of this year after having worked in the chemical industry my entire career in more of operating roles. And so I've always worked for companies or led companies that made and sold products, chemicals or polymers or lubricants or whatever. The whole world of investment banking was a little bit mysterious to me, but I became intrigued by it when I started to 
some of the businesses that I was with went through various M&A transactions and, you know, utilized investment bankers. But I think the key distinction is that investment banks don't own companies. We don't have portfolio businesses. We don't have money to invest. What we really do is three things. We raise capital. We help companies raise capital. And that could be a combination of debt or equity or both. Um, we also help companies with M&A support. So if a company is either going to be selling or is looking to make an acquisition or maybe even sell part of the company, we do a lot of that. And the third thing we do is advisory services. So we do a lot of financial advisory or strategic advisory to these companies. And a lot of times we do two or all three of these services with the same client. Interesting. I mean, so what are some of the trends that you see going on in financial markets today? As it, you know, particularly as it relates maybe to companies and these mid-market companies that you serve. Sure. You know, it's been a roller coaster the last year and a half, as we all know. Right now, uh, valuations are at a peak. I mean, uh, it is incredible when you see some of the multiples of EBITDA of some of the transactions in the chemical industry and just in industries in general. That's driven by, you know, obviously the stock market is at an all-time high. So the public markets are really going well and driving valuations and driving price-to-earnings ratios to an all-time high. That then translates into the private markets. And for the most part, what investment banks do is we deal with not with the big regulated banks, but we tend to deal with non-regulated entities. So this could be, you know, the people that we work with are private equity funds. We work with a lot of family offices, and then we work with non-regulated, you know, pri- basically private banks and sources of, of capital. But they have to keep up. And so if the public markets are at these high, high multiples and high valuations, then the private investors are looking for places to put their money to work. I think, as, as everybody knows, there is a huge amount of money looking to, to be put to work in a variety of industries. There, there are just there's a lot of money out there that people are looking to invest. That's what I've heard. I mean, um, I've heard that for a couple of years now, I think there's been just a lot of money waiting to be invested. It's been an interesting evolution. You know, through, in my career, I can remember back at the beginning of my career, private equity was not as prevalent in general and in particular, in the chemical industry, it was pretty rare to see private equity companies getting involved in chemicals. This is probably a phenomenon that really started maybe 20 years ago, but it really became pretty active in the last decade. You've seen a lot of private equity firms focus in on chemicals. You know, these private equity firms raise billions of dollars of, of capital, and, and they've got all this dry powder that they're looking to invest. And, you know, I mentioned the most common question I get, probably the second most common question that I get is investors that are looking for interesting investment opportunities. You sure. know, there's a lot of money that needs to be put to work and there are not enough good ideas on, you know, where to invest that. And so that's a service that we provide is we, we're able to present to the investors interesting opportunities to either put debt or equity into a business or maybe acquire a, an interesting business that's for sale. And, uh, and so that gives them places that they could potentially invest their capital. We don't typically see chemical executives going into investment banking, right? So, I mean, we do see people going into private equity because then it kind of makes a more logical extension to become an operating executive, for instance. But what led you on this path into iBank? 
Having spent my career as an operating executive, and I still kind of consider myself an operating executive, I really do enjoy dealing with customers and quality issues and supply chain issues and all the stuff that goes into working for a real operating company. But a lot of times at this point in their career, a lot of operating executives will make a move either into private equity or into some other sort of services industry. I think what led me into investment banking is uh, really about 10 years ago, I was involved in a transaction. You mentioned earlier that I had led the Dow Exxon joint venture. At some point, as I was in that role, Dow and Exxon decided that we were going to sell that business. And mm-hmm. uh, so we hired an investment bank out of New York City. They came in and they prepared the company for sale. They coached the management team. We put together you know, all of the materials that we could share with prospective buyers and investors and ran a whole thorough process and ultimately sold the company to an Asian you know, strategic buyer. And that was really kind of my first taste of an M&A transaction. After I left there, I actually went with a company in Dallas that was very acquisitive, and I was involved in quite a few acquisitions and mergers, and we actually IPO'd that company. And so the more I got involved in deals, to use a shorthand, the more interesting I found it. You know, there are common threads, because really what you're doing is you're helping the company to tell their story. You know, you've got to put together some kind of a thesis, some kind of a growth story that you can then share with prospective investors. And I just really get a kick out of that. I enjoy helping these businesses. I've had the benefit of being able to be part of a, quite a few transactions in my career, especially in the last 10 years of my career. It's just a lot of fun to work in an investment banking environment and help these businesses raise capital. Because you know every day, I am approached by prospective clients that are looking to raise capital for growth or for an acquisition. Mm-hmm. Maybe they just need to restructure their existing debt and bring in new lenders. It's just really interesting to listen to these business cases. Not all chemicals. I do get involved in some non-chemical deals as well. There are some common elements. I enjoy helping these companies. I like enjoy helping people tell their story. And I, it's really gratifying to see them get the capital they need to be able to grow their business. You know, having said that, as I said, I still consider myself sort of an operating executive. So I'm surrounded by really seasoned, talented investment bankers, most of them career bankers. I'm sort of the token chemical industry guy here, but I think that makes a powerful team. I think having somebody with industry knowledge and experience paired up with people with deep, deep banking experience is a pretty Mm -hmm. powerful combination. What do you typically see? When people start engaging with an investment bank, and I know you guys provide a variety of services, including kind of the advisory, do you see that as typically a strategic activity or does it tend to be a bit more reactive? Do they recognize that they need to strategically make a change at their company or is there something else that's driving that engagement? I'm going to answer that specifically for the middle market space, which is, yeah. you know, as I mentioned earlier, these are sort of the, the companies that are, let's say, less than a half a billion dollar you know, enterprise value. Because companies that are bigger than that, when you get chemical companies that are in the multi-billion dollar range, they know that they need an investment bank to help them run a process. To help, you know, They're going to go out and hire the major consulting firms to do yeah. strategic management consulting. It's really these smaller businesses that may not realize that they need help. And so they're mm-hmm. out and they're frustrated because they're trying to raise money to expand their business. They're trying to raise money to make an expansion. They just need money for additional working capital to grow revenue. 
And they're frustrated because their commercial bank they're dealing with just, you know, will not extend additional credit to them. And they may not know how to go out and find these non-regulated lenders or equity providers. They may not really know the best way to go out and restructure their finances for their business. And so that's where we come in. I think in many cases, we're providing advisory services. And a lot of times at the beginning, the client really doesn't think he needs help. And so we have to sort of overcome that. And recognize that sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And just recognize that, you know, by bringing in a professional investment bank like like Chiron and running a process, we're going to create competitive demand and bring multiple parties that want to work with that client to help them raise capital. They're going to end up having a more successful transaction. They're going to get the best possible financing for their project by working with a, you know, a professional investment bank that can provide those kind of services. That's interesting. And I think it's interesting your point that they don't recognize necessarily that they need that support, right? So this is, I find also in my uh, consulting engagements that it can be a blind spot for companies, right? So they recognize that they're trying to execute something, they're trying to grow, they're trying to, to gain market share, they're trying to do something. There's a perception that they already have all the tools in their toolbox, And it's a blind spot a bit, you know, that they don't to recognize that they may not have those tools, right? Because because they've been successful up to that point with their toolbox. And so I think what you're doing, it sounds like with Chiron and I know myself with my Progressio Global, my consulting business is offering up some new tools that they may not know how to access. So I think that's really interesting. I think, you know, specific to the chemical industry, I mean, there are certain industries that are kind of no-brainers in terms of there's so much growth, there's so much Mm -hmm. promise, there's so much potential that the commercial banks are going to line up to provide capital to grow your business. A lot of times in the chemical industry, either you're in in a space that's growing at GDP or GDP plus, but it's not, you know, some huge technology-driven play that's going to blow up in the next three years. It's a you know slow-growth, traditional chemical type of business, and it's not as easy to get these you know regulated commercial banks excited about providing capital to grow that kind of a business. And so, or you know, the chemical industry is a little bit complicated. And so, when you're trying to trying to talk to your banker and get additional capital to grow your business, and the guy can't even pronounce the name of the chemical that you produce, you know, it's a little bit tough. And so it's not the easiest industry for commercial bankers to relate to. And so, you know, again, I think that's where engaging an investment bank to come in, put the story together and put it into terms. And, you know, in in addition to that, we have a network of sources of capital that we show deals to. And so, we know the people that are interested in some of these investment opportunities, even the ones that are kind of tough, tough to finance, which we see those all the time. They, some of these deals are not easy. So you already touched on a little bit, you know, that M&A and transactional activity and interest in chemicals seems to be really strong. What's really behind that? And, you know, you talked about the high multiples. What's behind the high multiples? What's behind this high level of interest? Obviously, the economy is recovering after a really slow year last year when a lot of companies were struggling, especially middle market companies were had a really tough time due, due to the economy, slow, the global slowdown and all the things that went into last year. Now you've got sort of this pent up demand. People are looking for businesses to buy. You know, private equity in particular is really interested 
in making acquisitions. One of the things about private equity is typically they are under a time constraint. When if you raise a private equity fund, I raise a billion dollars to invest. Usually, I've got like two years to go out and find mm. target opportunities to buy. So that right. creates demand for, for making acquisition. And if I don't get that money invested, I have to give it back to my limited partners. And so there's a time constraint that's ticking there. That's not necessarily the case for like family office money, but for private equity, typically they're under the gun. And so that creates demand. I already mentioned the public markets are at an all-time high, and so that kind of drives up valuations. I think there's another factor, which is, in some cases, for privately-owned businesses, family-owned businesses, there's a feeling that taxes, you know, capital gains taxes might go up in the future. And so if I'm going to sell my business, I might want to sell it sooner than later. We don't necessarily have an opinion on whether that's the case or not. We really don't know. And, you know, we usually advise our clients, don't do things just for tax purposes. I mean, you know, you should try to maximize the value of your company. You should focus on maximizing EBITDA and making your business as healthy and strong and successful as you can, and then consider selling it. Don't try to time it based on what you think might happen with corporate taxes, because you never know. Yeah. Interesting. So does that get into a little bit of like succession planning, you know, for some privately held companies? Is is that an area that you guys touch on at all in terms of how to help them in the chemical industry, especially there's a number of companies that were started by entrepreneurs who may be at a point where they want to retire, but they also still need to monetize. So I guess, is that an area that you guys can help with as well? Absolutely. I mean, that's that's a, a major area of focus. You know, I have relationships that I've maintained over throughout my career with folks that I know that are entrepreneurial, that have businesses. And it can be an outright sale if you have a, a business that's, that's privately held and, and they're ready to sell and retire. We can take care of that. Sometimes it's just a partial sale. They want to bring in a co-investor and they can take some chips off the table, but they're going to continue to run the business and grow it. But it sort of establishes a valuation and then someone of it if they want. And so, you know, we do that as well. We do basically partial sales where we'll bring in an equity investor that becomes a, co- a minority owner, a minority investor. But a lot of times these investors really like the entrepreneur to stay involved in the business for some period of time after the sale of the company. Typically, that's pretty critical to, for continuity purposes. Sure. Makes sense. Makes sense. All right. So I'm going to turn the tide here a little bit. So one of the things that I've been talking with folks about, and obviously one of the real key trends in chemicals, but also elsewhere is ESG and sustainability. And we know that ESG is in particular playing a bigger role in many companies, especially the larger, more publicly traded companies. From my perspective, it seems to maybe less of a factor for mid-market companies is that true? Is this something, you know, when you're thinking about supporting clients and transactions, is a strong ESG record a factor? Is this important? Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with your assessment that I think every major public company is going to have a focus on ESG. They're going to have a high level executive that is, you know, responsible for reporting and for driving that program and, and improving their ESG track record every single year. It's become a mandatory for big public companies, but a lot of the middle market companies don't focus on it. It probably feels like a nebulous concept that's difficult to quantify sometimes, and it's it's hard to put a value on, especially the environmental part of it. And I think mm. the governance, most companies understand the importance of very strong governance and controls. That's kind of a given. 
you know, the social aspects, again, I mean, that's something that you can address. But environmental impact, in some ca- especially in the chemical industry, sometimes it's not easy to, to improve that. It's very expensive or requires a complete change of your whole business model. And so that's kind of a challenge. I would say that our investors, the investors that we deal with, the private equity firms, the family offices, the non-regulated sources of capital, they do look at ESG on these deals. And there are a lot of investors that we talk with, that I talk with on almost a daily basis, and they have a mandate to look for sustainable companies. They're looking for investments that are green, renewable chemistry or whatever. They won't touch a traditional carbon emitting, you know, old school type of, of business. And so, you know, we know what the investors are looking for. And, uh, but it is front and center for a lot of these investors. They think about ESG all the time. A lot of times with these private equity firms, you know, the limited partners that have invested have given them some kind of a mandate. And they're like, look, I don't want to invest in oil and gas. I don't want to invest in certain industries. We only want to look at what they think are clean sustainable, renewable type of businesses. Interesting. That's interesting. And it's also, you know, it's kind of some of that's also controlling the perceptions of it as well, right? Yeah. Which is a whole nother topic. So we won't get digressing over there today. You know, what about digitization? Do you see this as a big factor? I guess there's two angles to this. You know, I assume that in iBanking, you know, digital is prevalent in everything you do in data management. But when you look at the companies that you're helping, how important is that? When we run a process, 100% digital, I think what we find with, especially with the really smaller companies, is they're not going to have, especially the financial records are just not going to be readily accessible and readily available. And I'm not trying to sound critical. I mean, you know, you can very easily run a $20 million company off of QuickBooks. Uh, People do it all the time. It's just that when it's time to go out and raise capital, and when you want to go have a conversation with your bank, when you want to have a conversation with an investor, there is a certain level of accuracy and there's a certain level of financial, you know, uh, completeness that they're going to be looking for, or else you're just not going to be successful in raising capital for the business. And so that's one thing that is almost universal for us is when we come into a new client, we start collecting up all the information we can. We digitize everything and then we figure out where the gaps are. We have to fill in all those gaps so that we've got a comprehensive picture of the company and we're ready to answer all the questions that we know are going to come from prospective investors. Interesting. So you guys kind of help provide that complete package for them. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Chris, this has been really fun today and interesting. I think this is a whole world of iBanking and finance, especially when we talk about mid-market companies is some an area that a lot of people don't really understand, don't have the opportunity to engage with very well. So this has been really interesting for me and for our listeners, I'm sure. If people want to get in touch with you or Chiron, how can they do that? You know, our website is chironfinance.com. We, all of our contact information is on our website. I'm on LinkedIn, and so I'm pretty easy to find as well. And, you know, again, I, you know, my background is chemicals. I would love to talk to folks and help them think about what their options are if they're in the chemical space or other industries. There are some common threads that affect uh, really all, all manufacturing and all technology industries. And so would love to, to have a chance to talk to folks and let them know what we might be able to do together. Fabulous. Sounds awesome. Well, thank you for joining us today, Chris. I appreciate you taking the time and talking to me and to the Chemical Show listeners. 
Thanks, Victoria. Awesome. And again, so, you know, if you all enjoyed this podcast in honor of our 25th episode, we're doing a drawing for some cool, the chemical show swag, three ways to enter one rate and leave a review on your favorite podcast player Two, post a message on Twitter using the hashtag, the chemical show and three share the podcast on LinkedIn and tag us in that reshare. Thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you again soon. We've come to the end of today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed your time with us and want to learn more. Simply visit thechemicalshow.com for additional information and helpful resources. Join us again next time here on The Chemical Show with Victoria Meyer.